Welcome to Dune in 10, our look into the books of Dune in roughly 10 minutes. In this installment, we'll be covering the second book in the Heroes of Dune series, The Winds of Dune, by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. This book essentially tells three stories with two flashbacks supporting the main story. I'm going to start with reviewing the flashbacks first. The first flashback takes place a few years before the Atreides moved to Arrakis. Paul is sent to Ix, just like his father was at his age, to learn about the culture there. On Ix, we find Romber to be a leader who is losing his grip on power to a council that sees a ruling house as an obsolete business structure. We also get to know Romber's son, Bronzo. Bronzo is a tad spoiled, but befriends Paul immediately. Shortly thereafter, the sisterhood demands that Josiah bear more children for them from other men, since Romber is incapable of doing so. Tessiah refuses and the sisterhood sends a guiltcaster to punish her by physically blasting her with so much guilt that she is rendered physically ill in a coma-like state. Not knowing what is happening to Tessiah, Romber takes the sisterhood's offer to have her sent to the school for treatment. The catch is that Romber and Bronzo cannot go with her or see her because men are not allowed at the school. Enraged because he doesn't understand what is happening and because he thinks his father made the wrong choice, Bronzo decides to run away. Having made a vow to protect each other, Paul feels honor-bound to protect the soft and uncultured Bronzo, so he accompanies him. During their adventures, the duo wind up joining a jongleur group made up of face dancers. With this group, Paul learns the secrets of public speaking and how to mesmerize or hypnotize an audience with his speech. They also learn the face dancers are assassins, usually doing the deed they were hired for just before they leave the planet. The two boys fit in well with the troop, especially Bronzo. When visiting a planet, Bronzo's DNA is identified in a scan, and the boy's parents are alerted to their whereabouts. As Romber, Leto, and Jessica arrive, they are convinced to stay for a performance by the Jongalore group. During the show, it becomes evident to Paul that something is wrong, and he prevents an assassination on the planet leader. In the aftermath, Romber, Bronzo, and Paul are all standing at the scene of the attempted murder, when Romber's robotic senses pick up on something and he pushes the boys out of the area, only to be crushed by the secondary timed assassination attempt. All are in great mourning for Romber, and Bronzo blames Paul because he feels that his father cared for Paul's safety more than his. This ends this flashback. In the next flashback, we learn of a time when Jessica is approached by the sisterhood with qualms about Paul. Unnerved by the exchange, Jessica visits Arrakis and she begins to fear Paul and the machine of war and religion he has become. Her fears bring her to prepare herself to kill Paul to stop what is happening. After coming to this conclusion, Jessica is called to a meeting with Bronzo, but she is unaware why she would be requested to meet him. During this meeting, Paul shows up and in that moment Jessica thinks to kill him, now while he is vulnerable. Paul surprises her by sharing he knows she thinks to kill him, but he also hates what he has become and needs her help to stop it. They agree to have Bronzo begin writing and distributing anti-Paul propaganda. By doing so, Paul hopes that he can undo some of the Messiah prophecy around him. And people should believe the propaganda because it's known Bronzo knew Paul as a child, and their past was soured. Jessica agrees to the course of action and can't believe she thought to kill Paul. Also during this flashback, we learn that the Sisterhood manipulates the people of Caladan to take a so-called peaceful stand against Paul's reign. In order to end this protest before it attracts attention from the Jihad, Jessica is forced to execute the political leaders behind it. These are people she knew and cared about, but for the safety of the entire planet, they needed to be removed. It's a hard lesson learned.
And this concludes the second flashback. Now, in current time, the main story is of Jessica returning to Arrakis for Paul and Shaney's funeral. We find Alia struggling with holding the Empire together at her age, but with her genetic memory to fall back on. Alia wants to increase the mysticism around Paul and capitalize on the control it gives her over the people. In this vein, she wants Irland to write an even more biased history of Paul, and also puts out a manhunt for Bronzo and his propaganda. There's a lot of hemming and hauling here while characters make decisions on how to move forward, but we'll just keep things to the point. Jessica uses the backstory of Paul and Bronzo to convince Irland and Gurney that they should, one, not change the history to show Paul more as a messiah, and two, allow Bronzo to continue his work and try and protect him from Alia as much as possible. Jessica visits the Sisterhood School, where she believes they intend to try and convince her to kill Alia, but before they get a chance, she finds and frees Tessaia. Tessaia has spent years as a prisoner, forced to breed for them, and under constant assault by the Guiltcasters. She teaches Jessica how to overcome the Guiltcasting, and together they are able to reverse the casting back into onto the casters and escape. Eventually, Bronzo is captured and executed publicly for his treasonous writings. Before his death, he is delighted to learn of his mother's freedom, and in death, he is confronted and consoled by Jessica, who attempts to help him overcome the pain of death. There is one thing to note before we wrap up. It is learned by the reader that Shaddam, the old emperor, has been buying golas of all the dead soldiers from the Jihad and having them trained as his sardaukar for an eventful big battle. To all others, the bodies are removed for disposal. No one knows of their repurposing. The saga of Dune is far from over, but this brings us to the conclusion of The Winds of Dune. Make sure you check out our main episode for Winds of Dune, where we discuss our many thoughts on the book, and look out for our listener feedback show for The Winds of Dune, where we'll discuss your feedback on this book and much more. Remember, you can send your comments to us via email at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash dunesagapodcast, or by calling them into our voicemail number, 1-260-577-2428. So once again, for the Dune Saga Podcast, I am David Moulton, and may Shai Halud clear the path before you.